Well, good morning. So good to see so many of you here this morning. Again, we welcome you in the name of Jesus to our time of worship this morning. As God has gathered us together to hear from him in his word. This morning we continue our journey in the book of James by looking at the first 13 verses of chapter 2. As it was stated before, the book of James is written to Jewish Christians, reminding them who they are in Christ and what it means to live out their faith. And as Pastor Adam said last week, we do this. We live out our faith not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. In our text this morning, we continue to hear about how we can view and treat others because of our faith, which was given to us through Jesus Christ. And so we read our text this morning from James 2. Would you please stand as we read from God's word together? We read in Jesus' name. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place. While you say to the poor man, you sit over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the law, the whole law, but fails in one point, has been guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Thus ends the reading of our text today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We again thank you for this opportunity to gather together as you have called us so that we might grow in wisdom and knowledge of who you are and what you have done for us and in us for the sake of your kingdom's work. Father, as we hear your word today, Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. 
We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Now, every now and then, when a child gets in trouble with his parents, the child will say something like this. Well, my sister does not get in trouble because she is your favorite. Haven't you heard that before? I might not have heard it, but I probably have said it one time or another. This child believes that he would be treated differently if you felt differently about them. He feels as though he is valued less than his sister is. As if that's the reason why he got in trouble. Do we play favorites? That is the assumption of the child in trouble. But the reality is that if we found the sister doing the same thing, she would be in the same amount of trouble. Wouldn't they? In our text, we find James illustrating to the believers how favoritism might have crept into the church. How might they might have favored one person over the other. Now, what if God was like that? What if God said that he was only going to let extraordinary people into heaven? Any ordinary person was going to be left out. So if you were bald, or you had too much hair, if you were underweight or overweight, if you were not good enough, or you just didn't have much to offer, none of these would be acceptable. And because of any or all of these things, you would not be able to enter heaven. God would be looking for the pristine, the extra sharp looking person. But praise be to God that he's not like that. Yes, God does let bald people in. And for that I'm most thankful. But God does not show favoritism. James starts his illustration by saying, My brothers, show no partiality or favoritism as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, or your synagogue, as other texts might say, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. The rich man was offered the prime seat in the synagogue. It might have been front row center. Of course, we wouldn't say that our prime location is in the front row, would we? Only if you were part of the worship team or sitting with a member of the worship team. It would probably be somewhere in the middle and near the front. The poor man was hidden from the crowd. He was told to go 
to a place where no one could see him. Go back over there, stand up against the wall. Or crouch down in between the pews. Well, probably not in between the pews, for lack of pews back then. But you get what they're saying. Out of sight and out of mind. He was considered less valuable to those he was worshiping with. Even though God considered the person who was poor to be rich in faith, he wasn't treated so. What does this do? What happens when one is treated better than another? This causes division and disunity. It causes friction. It puts one person or group above another. It overvalues one person while it undervalues another. Do we see this in society today? Over the past couple years, we have seen and heard a lot about racism. What is the definition of racism? Well, the very basic definition is treating or thinking of someone differently because of their skin color. And now, over the past few months, we've heard about the vaccinated and unvaccinated. Not so long ago, there was an idea of putting the vaccinated together in a particular area of a building. And with that idea, you can isolate the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. In that, you are forced to identify who is vaccinated and who is not vaccinated. And ultimately, you divide people into two different groups. Do these things happen in the church as well? Are there people that you intentionally don't talk to or leave out of your group after worship? Are there people that you think less of who are not gifted as you are or not as spiritual or mature as you are? How are we in considering the feelings of those who are not around us much? Do we throw their thoughts away because we do not know them? Do we evaluate their ideas in the same way as we would consider another ones that we know? Do we just think to ourselves that they do not know what they're talking about when in fact they might have a better idea than you? The Apostle Paul, in part of his letter to the Corinthian church, also warns the church not to look down at others because they do not have gifts that might be considered greater. He says that each part of the church is indispensable. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, 
Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the one body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, many parts, but one body. That I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So what does Paul say? Each person is vital for the body. Yes, there are many different roles. There are many different parts of the body. Not everybody can be a head or a toe a finger or a nose? Could you imagine living without one of those parts? No, you can't. But God has put those different parts of the body together for a specific purpose. But they all are a part of that same body. James then says, because you have thought less of some, and showed favoritism towards others. You have dishonored those who God lifted up and honored those who have dishonored you and God. Did you hear that? By neglecting, showing favor towards another person, we've dishonored God. The rich oppressed the Jewish Christians. Uh, the rich oppressed the Jewish Christians and blasphemed the name of the Lord. And yet, those were the ones that were favored. 
those were the ones that were honored. They were the ones given the good seat. And the ones that God raised up and gave life to were the ones that were judged and thrown to the side. And in doing so, these people who favored some and not others sinned against God. Verse 9 tells us, but if you show partiality or favoritism, you are committing sin and are convinced, convinced, Convicted, that's what it says, by the land of trespassers, transgressors, man. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. One good deed does not outweigh one bad one. And why does James use these two commandments? James is showing the Jewish Christians that one of these commandments is being broken. And thus, the whole law is broken. So which one does James think is being broken? You shall not murder. Do not murder. In the book of Matthew, it tells us if we hate our brother, we have committed murder. If we think less of someone, it's committing murder. Committing murder is judging someone based on how they look rather than what they believe. Committing murder is avoiding someone and favoring someone else. For it's also hate. So then how can we act towards others that are not like us or not as appealing to us? Our text tells us, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Speak and act as one who is saved by grace through faith. For God took you, you who were bankrupt spiritually... God took you who had nothing and made you rich in faith. He made you rich in faith as he gave you his most precious gift. God gave you his son. And he has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. One of those spiritual blessings is his mercy, which by his grace is produced in your heart and your life, which is the evidence of true faith 
with, which leads to everlasting life. So we can show mercy as mercy was shown to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and its truth. And Father, we pray that you would forgive us as we have already confessed our sin. Father, may we continue to confess our sin. Father, we have all sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. And Father, there may have been a time in which we have shown favoritism towards someone else. And by doing so, we have, ne we have also neglected another. Father, forgive us. Forgive us when we have wronged someone else and more importantly, wronged you. Father, help us not to show favoritism, but show mercy. Show your loving kindness. Giving some, something to someone who might not deserve it. But Father, we thank you for the mercy that you've shown to us, for we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. And you gave us something that we didn't deserve. And more importantly, we deserved hell, and you saved us from it. Father, we praise you and thank you for your word and its truth. We thank you for the promise that we have in knowing you, that promise of eternal life. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.